You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at riverlifefellowship.com. Cleaning house. Yeah. So I want to talk to you just briefly this morning. And this is sort of the program. i got a program here, believe it or not. The program is this. The Lord really wants to reveal some new things to us as a church. And I'm not talking about... I'm talking about new vision, new direction, new revelation. And um, it's going to take me this Sunday and next Sunday and then the following Sunday I can give you the specifics. But what I feel I need to do... I need to help you get there where you can hear it when it comes. Okay? That's, so that's what I'm starting today. Are you with me? Yeah. Can you hang with me on that? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start, and I'm going to go and do, you know, John 14. I'm going to go fast, so I'm not going to try to elaborate, because these are all great, though. It says, let not your heart be troubled. See, Karen just gave testimony of a troubled heart getting untroubled. <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Everybody say, a place for me. God has a place for everybody. Everybody, God, I want you to know this. You are special. You, God has specially designed a place for you. And there's no second-class citizen. The new uh, revelation is this. There's two people in the church. There's one person more important to you in this church, and that's the Lord Himself. That's all. We're all tied for second. You got that? We're all tied for second. Every one of us. We're all equally important to the Lord. No one person's more important than the other, anybody else. I'm not more important than you. I'm with you. You know, nobody's more special than you. I want you to know that. So He's preparing a place for each of us. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself. It's where the Lord is, the Father's house, right at the right hand of the Father. That where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. All right, so I want to talk about the, the house, the mansion. And I want you to put it in your mind, uh, high-rise building. Everybody get, look, you can see a high-rise building. Uh, I want to talk to you in terms of a high-rise building. This is a very biblical way of looking at it. They didn't know it back then because they didn't have high-rises, but now we have high-rises. You can use this picture to help you get into what God has for you. High-rise building. One day somebody comes to Scott Forsyth and Scott, you have this building right down the middle of town, and it's the highest building in the world, and it's yours, and he hands Scott the key to it. Scott goes to the, to the building and opens the door and walks into the lobby, and the lobby is called Salvation. There he is in this big room of salvation. And in this room is all kinds of furniture and things in that room that have to do with our salvation, like forgiveness of sins and, and all these wonderful things. And Scott begins to enjoy these things, but after a while there's something in his heart that urges him, there's an urgency in his heart that wants him to, to go to the next floor. And Scott looks for the elevator and finds this building has no elevators. There's no elevators in this building. But there are, there's a stairwell. So Scott, being the really bright man that Scott is, decides, and he feels an urgency to go up. So he goes up, goes up to the next floor. And for Scott, the next floor may be faith. For you, it may be grace. So there's all these different floors in this building. There's the faith floor, the grace floor, the, 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 store, the floor of prophecy, the, the floor of spiritual gifts, the, the floor of divine healing, the, the floor of signs and wonders, the floor of Christian character, the floor of service and servanthood, the floor of 
uh, brokenness. Make a quick, make it a quick floor. I'm telling you, God does not want His people to live in brokenness all the time. He doesn't want us to be wilderness wanderers. Trust me, I spent most of my Christian life in that brokenness floor. And one day the Lord told me, get out of there. You've been in there too long. Get out. And that's the Lord for some of you this morning. You're in the brokenness floor. You've been there too long. Out you go. The Lord's calling you out. He's calling you out of that floor. Calling you into other floors. And uh, what you're going to find out in this, uh, this, this thing, that there's this continual upwardness that God is calling us to. And Philippians 3 verse 14 says this. Listen to this. This is important. This is where the skyscraper comes in. The, I press towards the goal for the prize of what kind of call? Upward. Everybody say upward. God's calling us upward to an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And, and like I said, there's no elevator, but there's stairwells. And there's a scripture, Psalm thirty-seven twenty-three. Listen to this. The steps, everybody say steps. Yeah. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. And so if you really study the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about walking. It talks about walking in the Spirit, walking in love, walk circumspectly, walk, you know, walk in the light. You know, walk as becoming believers. Walk worthy of your calling. I mean, it's all over the Bible. There's a thing called walking. So that's why there's no elevator. Just let you know. <laughs> You're going to walk into what God has for you. He's asking you to walk up the steps. Okay, and we're living in a moment now where God's saying, walk up. Um, let me tell you this. Uh, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. I told you I'm going fast. I'm not trying to give you the full impact of all these. Therefore, leaving. Everybody say leaving. Leaving, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ. So there's this floor called the elementary principles of Christ. Uh, let us go on to perfection or maturity. Uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Oh, the foundation of repentance is an awful floor. I mean, an awesome floor. It's wonderful, the foundation of repentance. But the Lord said, you've got to go on. You've got to get uh, repentance from dead works. Faith towards God, awesome floor. Move on. Uh, of the doctrine of baptism, awesome, you know, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in water, the baptisms in the river. Uh, move on, come on, on the laying on the hands. Get over it. You know, you were supposed to lay on the hands. Keep on going. You know, resurrection dead. Dead people rise. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, he wants to raise some dead people. Actually, I had a dream this week about a man in Wilmington who is a young man, and he has this cardio something, and I dreamed he died. And in the dream I said, actually, Philip knows this man. He used to work for him. Him and Philip got in a terrible dispute. And now he's disabled, can't work. He's dependent, he's just, you know, he's got little children. And I dreamed he died. And in the dream I was saying, Philip, we need to go down there and pray for that man and raise him from the dead. That's what I said. <laughs> we were going to go raise him from the dead. I woke up and I said, he ain't dead, is he, Lord? Philip called him. He's not dead. He's alive. Philip says, hey, my dad had a dream that you died. That's <laughs> Philip. But I, he said he don't think you're supposed to die. <laughs> but we're supposed to go down there and lay hands on you and raise you up. So he said, come on. I need help. This is a guy that was very mad at Philip, bitter towards Philip, bitter, mad at everybody. I mean, I went and visited him one time. He told him, put the bad word on me. But the Lord wants to raise him up. The Lord wants to raise people up. The Lord has a heart for people. He don't, it doesn't matter who they are. Anyways, um, I just said that about the resurrection of the dead. Y'all pray for me. Next, next Saturday I'll be there with him. Eternal judgment. There is a thing called eternal judgment. That's a floor we go on. There's a great floor called focus on the family. We know James Dobson. That's a penthouse floor for him. Uh, for him, it's a high-level floor. For us, it may not be a high-level floor because everybody's floors are different. Rick Joyner has a high-level floor of prophecy, prophetic ministry. Uh, 
It may not be your high-level floor, but it's, they, God has brought certain people into the body of Christ to teach us about the furniture. Uh, James Dawson teaches great things about the family, you know, and that's on that floor of, of the family. Uh, and so those are all wonderful floors. But this, this says, uh, you know, leaving, it begins with leaving, and this we will do if God permits. We will do if God permits. Here I'm telling you, I'm just declaring something to you. God is in a very permitting mood. He is in a permitting mood. God is in a permitting mood. He is saying, it's time to go up. It's time to go up. There's another floor for everybody in this room. Whatever your next floor is, God is saying, now's the time. You, I don't care if you've only been on the floor for five minutes, the one you're on. He's saying, let, let your current ceiling be your new floor. Let me say that one more time. Your current ceiling, wherever you're hitting on, maybe you plateaued, maybe you've you got a ceiling above you, God's saying, that should be your floor. That's your next floor. Come on. Get up. Come on up there. Get up there is what the Lord's saying. Now, this is another thing I found in this building. There's escalators in this building. Y'all know what an escalator is. Escalators get something you get on and stand, and it takes you up. Well, these are very peculiar escalators. They're not like regular escalators. I found this out about them. I found a lot of things out about this building. I've been in this building. You're in that building. You just don't know it. Many of you don't know it, but you're in that building. You're in that. It's your building. God's given you this building. He, that's what Jesus said in John 14. I've made a place for you, not just, not just in the sweet by and by. Guess what this building ultimately leads to? One day we're going to come out the top of it and we're going to think, Oh my gosh, I'm in heaven. I just died and I went to heaven. I stepped out on the top of the building. That's where it ultimately leads. It all leads to heaven, but guess what? It's already heaven coming down into us. So... So this escalator is serious. It's a very steep escalator, for one thing. Okay? It's real steep, and it's real fast. That's what you call acceleration. But here's what happens. People get on escalators, and most people stand except really people who are in a hurry. Okay? People who are in a hurry walk up them. This escalator only works if you're stepping. And when you, as long as you're stepping, you're going. Have you ever been on those flat escalators in the airport? how you walk on them, and you can just buzz. I mean, we're talking buzz. And when you come off that thing, you feel like you're shot out of a rocket. That's the way it feels. I mean, you hit the floor and you're going because you have this inertia or you have this propellant behind you. Well, this is the way this escalator... God wants to shoot some people up there. But you've got to keep walking. You can't stop. If you stop, guess what? The escalator stops. And you're standing there like, duh, you know, duh, why ain't I going nowhere? And the Lord's saying you quit walking. Keep, you know, the Bible says walk. Walk, walk, keep walking and you'll get there. Keep going after God. Keep going, don't stop, don't be satisfied. Keep going. And you will be propelled into what the Lord wants for you. Now here's the thing. There's this anointing, there's this floor that God wants to get everybody on right now. And it's called, what I call, it, it's easy. It's called the easy floor. How many, by, how many would like to get on the easy floor? I mean, I'm looking for easy. Well, this is what the Bible says. Now, I'm telling you, this is a floor. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, we can apply that to the, to the sinner, or we can apply it to the Christian who's lost their way. They're weighted down with life. They're weighted down with whatever. Hurt, pain, difficulties. Oh, I've got this ministry. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. That's why we have tried and... Nice ways, crazy ways to emphasize the need for humility, the need to lower yourself to get low because 
I'm gentle and lowly. That's why I have said this. Okay, now this is the truth. Now, maybe God doesn't deal with you like that, but I'm telling you, when I get down there on the floor, guess who I find down there? He's down there. I have had more done to me laying on the floor recently than I've had done anything. That, does that mean God doesn't want to deal with me walking, talking? I mean, however God wants to do it. I'm just telling you, he's down there. And I, I think Karen Beck just said he was down there. I was willing to get down there. I was willing to get lowly. I was outwardly get lowly. You don't have to outwardly get lowly for God, but you need to get low in your heart. But I highly recommend getting low. And like I said, you know, the other night to people, all that falling stuff down stuff really is a distraction to me. You know, praying for people. I don't like, to me, it's like, get up here and lay down. I don't want to worry about this falling stuff. Whether you're going to fall or that's not the point. The point's not falling. The point's getting low. Get low. If you fall to get low, great. But it'd be better if I'm praying for you just to lay down because I'm going to tell you to lay down. Are you willing to lay down? I like the laying down thing because the Lord's down there. Now, when He quits being down there, I'm quitting laying. You know? But as long as I'm finding Him down there, you can bet on something. I want to get where He's at. I, if, if he's gonna, when I get down there, I start hearing Him talking to me. Oh, yeah. And that's, he, he says, uh, then he says this, for my yoke, everybody say my yoke, my is what? Easy. easy. Everybody say easy. 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 God wants our Christian life to be easy. And my burden is what? Light. Light. Now, wait a minute, Lord. My life ain't like that. Uh, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Who's wrong? Yeah, I'm wrong. The Bible's not wrong. I'm wrong. See, what I'm telling you today is the truth that's always been there that I haven't really been able to see. But see, I can tell you this all day, and you can understand and say, I agree with that because it's in the Bible. What you need is to hear God start talking easy words to you, easy thoughts. Because anything that's coming from heaven is going to be easy. It's going to be light. Now, does that mean we're going to be exempt for difficulties and trouble? No. Let me read. I want to make this clear to you. I'm not suggesting that because the Bible says something opposite. It says, John 16:33, These things I have spoken to you that in me you have peace. So there's going to be situations that are going to require peace. But he was saying you can have that. Peace is available. Peace is heavenly. Okay? In the world... You're going to have tribulation or trouble. In other words, we are going to have troubles. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have challenges. There are going to be days you're going to feel stressed and stretched and beat down and slammed, and, you know. But in the in you know at the end of it all, be of good cheer. I've overcome all that. Get back into the easy. Get back into the easy. What burdens did you pick up today? Uh, well, the pastor's an idiot, Lord. He came and swept burdens out of our head. Uh, what if a burden really got swept out of your head by the idiots, you know? I mean, I'm willing to take the risk, you know? What if the yoke that was on you got swept away? I mean, it's worth it, you know? <laughs> it's the way I look at it. Um, now, here, let me just say this to you. I want to say this to you. Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, future a hope. Everybody knows it, right? Don't we all love that verse in the Bible? Anybody here not love it? 
have we give you keychains, graduates? We give graduates keychains that have that on because we want them to know this is God's heart. And we love that. But there's a massive difference than I know the plans I have for you. That's wonderful. I thank you, Lord, that you have that. And when all of a sudden he starts releasing the plan. When you start hearing the plan in your mind, the plan to prosper you, the plan to bless you, the plan to encourage you. There you go. He's got it up there. The plan to give you a future. Byron, let me talk to you about your future. Let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Let me tell you what I want you to do with your life. That's a big difference than just reading that. And what I'm proposing to you, God wants to do that for everybody. That's your right as a child of God to have that. It is accessible. It is there. I'll tell you another thing. Okay? Everybody in this room has every word that's written in here in here. Every word that's written in this Bible is in you. So what I'm finding these days is the Bible is suddenly starting to like, where would I get that from? Well, it's already written in you, Byron. You didn't have to just go read it. Now, am I saying don't read the Bible? No, 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 read the Bible. In fact, you're going to want to read it more. Where's that at? It's in there somewhere. I know it's in there. Oh, it's in 1 Kings 7. I've read it before, but it was already there. There's a, there's a release that God wants where the Word of God that's in you starts coming into this place called the mind. Okay? It's a living Word. It's alive. Now, now um, yeah, free. Free is a good word. Free and easy. Now, I want to tell you this. Everything I just said to you, that God wants to accelerate you, God wants to promote you, God wants to release His thoughts to you, there's a huge catch to it. You know, you get the contract, this looks too good to be true, and there's... there's fine print. Well, I told you all the big print. Now I want to tell you the fine print. Okay, I want you to understand what this fine print is. The catch. There's a catch to this. Okay, a real catch, a serious catch. And the catch is, is something the Lord gave me. It's Mark eight twenty two through 26. Are you all good this morning? Okay, because God really wants to do something for people. Okay? You know what you can do with this? This morning, you can believe it or cast it aside. If you believe it and receive it, it's yours. If you cast it aside, it's still yours, but you're not going, it's not going to become a reality in your life. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's how this stuff works. It's all by faith. Faith, you know. All right. This is the account of Jesus healing a blind man. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up, and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Now, that's a great teaching for you need to be prayed for more than one time. You need more. Like, come on, every week, get more, every day, more, Lord, pray. That's good, but that's a lower-level revelation. I want to talk to you that Jesus did that on purpose. He healed other blind people. They didn't have that problem. He did that on purpose. He did it for me and you to teach us something, to help us with our life, to show us something about ourselves that we need to know. And uh, the way I discovered this was... Medical science, okay? That's how I, I, you know, back then people didn't know about what they know about now. 
But there's this thing called visual neuroscience. Visual neuro. Those are doctors who specialize in the brain and the eyes and how, how sight works. And let me read what they say, okay, which really is very... And this is obviously a believer of Christian man who, who really has studied this because that was his profession as to understand these kinds of things. And he loved the Lord, and obviously the Lord wanted to use him like he used James Dobson to communicate something that's powerful. Human eyes, even when healed physically, still need training and rigorous practice before they can transmit what is real and not real back to the brain. Okay? Now, they have found this out by people who were born blind or been blind for years that they operated on, and suddenly they got their sight back through medical science, but they still were having trouble. Okay? It doesn't much matter how long you've been sightless. A decade or so of blindness in your cerebral cortex. Y'all know what the cerebral cortex is. Everybody's got a cerebral cortex, believe it or not. Right up in here, there's a cerebral cortex, okay? Has to be completely reprogrammed. Your cerebral cortex has to be completely reprogrammed if you were blind for 10 years or longer to be able to see properly. Um, on opening the eyes of the healed person, he has neither depth perception nor ability to process shape or form. They don't have depth. In other words, they can't tell how far away like Larry Harkness is from me. A person who had just gotten healed, their eyes could not process that. They couldn't process any of that. They can't walk upstairs because they see all these angles and stuff. They don't have the depth and it's, there's no perception. Because their brain doesn't know how to perceive that. The brain hasn't been taught that. Okay? So they say after these people are healed medically, they have to go through weeks and weeks and weeks and literally into months getting their brain programmed on how to see. Because they can't see right. They're seeing, but they can't see. Uh, I see men like trees walking is a clinical description. I see men like trees walking. He can now see, but he cannot yet make sense of what he's seeing. He's seeing men like trees. He's not because his brain is still operating from a blind perspective. Okay? I would say to you, many of you, your brains are still operating from a blind perspective. Okay? Mine was. It still is to some level, but God's doing some stuff. Tree and man run together. He can see movement because, according to these doctors, motion and color are inherent in the brain. They don't need to be learned or relearned. In other words, motion and color, we, we already automatically have it. But, but perception, that's why they look, the man looked like a tree. He couldn't distinguish between, that's a tree, that's a man. I can't, it just, it doesn't look right. None of this surprises Jesus. He knows that a newly healed blind man has neither depth perception nor the ability to process, shape, or form. The blind man's brain must first be recalibrated or rewired. It must be taught, and in this case, in a miraculous instant, what you and I have known since childhood, how to see. Okay? Your brain has to be reprogrammed, recalibrated, rewired, whatever, whatever term fits you. It's like I told one guy, I was telling him, the Lord spoke to me about rewiring my brain. Uh, because I think in terms of wiring, because I, of my background. This person was an educator. How about for you, my friend, God needs to re-educate you, Mr. Educator, because you think in terms of education. God, However God would want to speak that to you. 
So we pray, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes so we can see, Lord. Uh, and the Lord does that, but we're not understanding what we're seeing. We're not seeing it right. We can't perceive. We don't. And so the Lord doesn't always do it all at one time. And that's why He put this here. He put this here to tell us something. Listen, your minds need to be healed. Your minds need to be fixed. They need to be repaired. They need to be recalibrated. There needs to be something that happens to the human mind for the human mind to have what the Bible calls the mind of Christ. In order for us, we have the mind of Christ. We have it. It's in us. We do have this mind, but the human mind needs to be redone, reworked on, so we can begin to use that mind where that mind can begin to process its thoughts in us. Now, that's what needs to happen for all Christians. And it does over a period of time for some people. Some people, it's dramatic. And what I'm telling you, I had this dramatic experience with the Lord that really has been life-changing me where I felt the Lord. I shared this last week. I'll share it one more time with you because this is important. I'll probably share it a hundred more times with you. The Lord attacked my mind. He went after my mind. And I could tell, it was like the Holy Spirit, it was like this. I walk in the room and the Holy Spirit come running right towards my mind. And He went into my mind, in a sense. I mean, this, I'm just described, trying to give you a description. And He went, and there was this thing, He went after my mind. And He began to, and my mind began to weep. It began to weep and weep and weep and weep. And weep, and weep, and weep. My mind was weeping because my mind was so full of stuff that needed to be washed out. And he washed it, and washed it, and washed it. And as he was washing it, he was reprogramming it, rewiring it, adjusting it. And he was releasing that thing that was inside of me. That mind of Christ, it was starting to come forward. And it was like my brain was opening up. And inside there... There was this stairwell. I'm just telling you what I saw. I know that sounds crazy. But not as crazy as taking a broom and sweeping somebody's head. <laughs> I saw this stairwell in my mind. And I said, what is that, Lord? It's Jacob's ladder. That's what he said to me. Here's what Jesus said. See, this is in the Bible. John 1.51. Not Genesis, original Jacob. I'm talking Gospel of John, Jesus. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. Not, no, you, you may not, you might see heaven open when you get to heaven, you, if you do good. No, he's saying, he's talking to a guy who just was saying crazy stuff. Listen, you're going to see it. It's your right to see it. It's in you, it's going to be in you to see. You will see it. I, I promise you, you'll see it. You're going to see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man because the Lord Himself is Jacob's ladder. That's, he just explained what Jacob's ladder from the Old Testament is. When Jacob saw the ladder, the ladder was the Lord. Okay? Lowered into the earth. The ladder, the stairways, I was asking, why stairways, Lord? I thought it was a ladder. And he said to me, you're an inside guy now, Byron. You don't even like ladders. You don't like getting on that. Somebody wants me on a ladder, I'm thinking, I don't want to get on that ladder. I'm talking to the natural if you're a painter, he may slap an old ladder in there. If you're an elevator repairman, he may give you an elevator in there. Well, I mean, it's just the way God speaks to us. He loves us. He knows us perfectly. He knows I don't like ladders. don't want anything to do with them. Please don't make me crawl up there on that ladder. It makes me feel bad. So he gave me a stairwell because I walk in stairwells. 
but it's really my Jacob's ladder. It's really the mind of Christ released. And Jackie Rummage had a word for me. This is what she said. I told you this. I'll tell you this. She said, Byron, I saw you walk down the street. I saw you turn a corner. And when you did, everything changed in your life. It was the truth. All of a sudden, I went from believing Jeremiah 21 11 was a great thing till I started hearing God's thoughts in my mind. And I knew they were God thoughts. I knew they weren't. And I'm not talking about some prophetic thing or prophetic gift. or any, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something every Christian has. I'm talking about every Christian has this thing in us that we, according to John 1, 51, that we have. Let this mind be in you. Let it be in you. It's in there. That's what he's saying. Let it come forth. Let it come forth. You can have this. And it may seem impossible for you today to have this. It may seem impossible. It's, it can be a challenge to have it. I've already been challenged on it a couple of times pretty hard. One was when I got in a fight with my wife. Okay? You see, this is the beauty of this thing. This thing ain't just about church and doing ministry. It's about your life. Okay? Here was happening. We were having this disagreement about something. And I was getting mad. And I was going to do what I normally do in my disagreements. You know, because I'm a mean fighter. I'm an unfair fighter. I tell everybody you've got to fight fair, but I break off the rules in fights. Becky, Becky told me one time, we are not doing no more marriage counseling until you quit doing that. Because we ain't going to go tell them to do something you're not doing. Because I mean when it comes Because I, I like to win, honestly. But I was sitting there, and here's what the Lord told me. He said, Byron, you can handle this the way you always handle it. Okay? Or you can let my thoughts come. Because I've got thoughts in this situation. And then he began to tell me what my th- thoughts were at that moment. He said this to me, you need to love your wife. And he gave me a scripture. Uh, I wasn't thinking this. A soft word turns away wrath. That's what he said. I heard that scripture coming to my mind. I thought, oh, great. Now I've got to give a soft word. I wanted to give a mean word. But you see, the decision was up to me. Am I going to receive the thoughts of God? Or am I, and then about that time, the French fries that I had just salted up nice and hot. I like French fries. I had them sitting beside me. She slams on brakes and they go onto the floor. As I'm hearing a soft word, I'm thinking, man, what is your problem? Don't you know how to drive now? That's what I wanted to say to her. A soft word turns away wrath. So we get to choose this mind. But this is a real mind, and I, don't, I can't tell you it will change your life because you get God's thoughts. God has thoughts. It's not what would Jesus do. That's a good thought. It's not what is God thinking. It's not that I need to think like God. That's, that's on a level. I'm okay with that. But you know what? That's not going to make a difference in your life. That's not going to change your life. Now, that's the truth. Well, we need to think like God. Yeah. But you know what? His thoughts are what changes things. Now, Karen Beck, you need to quit being mean and hating your in-laws. Well, I know that's right, but I didn't change. Uh-oh, I just heard God talking to me about my in-laws, my family. I didn't, I didn't mean y'all. Family. I just heard God's thoughts. He showed me a picture of my, of my people that I've been so messed up with. I got His thoughts. I got His thoughts. But you see, that, that, shouldn't, that, sh- that can be a norm for us. We can walk in that. We can walk in that. 
we can begin to walk in that. I'm not saying I'm walking in this perfect. I'm saying, oh, I got these new thoughts all of a sudden, and I still got my old thoughts that want to exert themselves. Like I told you before, the mind is meant to be the servant, to serve those thoughts, to allow those thoughts a place. Are y'all with what I'm saying to you? Because this will change your life. This will radically change your life. Karen Beck had an experience in her life and a situation. It changed her. Imagine if you could have that all the time. Yeah, all the time. You can get a download from heaven. There's this, this thing going where the Lord, you know, whatever He may do, whatever He may give you at that moment, He gets to decide it. But I'll tell you, it's almost like there's this God consciousness, this information highway for all you Internet people that all this information is passing along there, and we just can tap into it because we are His children. And all of a sudden we begin to hear all this stuff, and He allows us to hear what He wants us to hear, me personally, you personally. That's the way the Christian life was designed to live. And now here's the scripture, another scripture that everybody knows. These are real simple scriptures. But I'll tell you one thing. Once you start getting this, the Bible becomes like a little different book to you. I'm reading the Bible. I'm thinking, man, I was messed up the way I read it before. I, I, I was reading the Bible. I had all this negative thinking going on in mine. It ain't negative. There's nothing negative about the Bible. The Bible is one of the most positive, wonderful books that have ever been written on the face of the earth. It's not negative. It's not a beat me, keep me, whip me, stomp me book. It is a book full of love and passion, redemption. But the human mind can't catch that. Only the mind of Christ can catch that. And it says, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. God's into transformation. Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. They, and so you want to know what the will of God is? You know, want to know what God's got to say? There's one way to know. It's the mind of Christ being released in your mind. Then it's not like, oh, I wish God would talk to me. I wish this. I wish. No, it's not that. That's the wrong approach. That's not the way we're supposed to approach that. We don't have to beg our Father to tell us stuff. He's interested in speaking. He's talking a bunch. We're just not, we're not losing the mind of Christ. And so um, your life, a changed life, is the ultimate uh, fruit, is the ultimate evidence that the mind of Christ. You know, in other words, suddenly... This mind will begin as, as, as we go. This, what this mind does, it... See, I want to tell you this. I know I'm about to run out of time, but I want you to hear this real, really clear. God has a real strange notion about you and I. He has a crazy notion. And this is what He thinks. I own you. Right? I own you, John Arney. I bought you, John Arney. I bought you of my blood of my son. So I own you. He's got this notion in His mind that He owns us. And it's a strange notion because when he comes to us, we've got this notion, no, you don't own me. We say he does, but we don't, we won't submit. We won't allow the owner to do what he wants to in the house. Some of you won't allow the owner to do what he wants to. But he has a notion, I own you. I own you. I want to own your mind. I want my thoughts to get so permeated that you can't distinguish anymore between my thoughts and your thoughts. It's just you're operating in this consciousness of God thinking. You know? And you begin to distinguish. Oh, there's an old thought trying to slip back in. Nah, that's not God thinking. 
<laughs> you know, forget you. You're out. Let's get the broom out. Sweep it out. Because really what happens to a person is, you know, in life, you walk through your kitchen, trash gets in there, dirt comes off your shoes from walking in the world. So, here's what the Lord does. He has the Word of God to wash us. That's what it says, right? The washing of the Word, war, uh, the uh, washing of the Word of the Lord. Then He has the blood of Jesus, which is powerful. And this is what this is what I've been telling. I told Becky this. I've been reading these things to her that I got from uh, Seymour from Azusa Street about the blood. And I was saying, man, the Lord really is really interested in the blood. And this is, what the, this is the God thought. No, Byron, I've always been interested in the blood. Always. The blood is always on my mind. The blood's always on my heart. It just hasn't been on yours. But if you get my thought, the blood suddenly is going to take on new meaning to you. The blood is what gets the spots out of us. You know what spot remover is? That's the blood. That's what the blood. So you've got the water that washes, you know. You've got the blood that gets rid of the spots. And then the Bible says a bride without spot or wrinkle. There's people with wrinkles in here. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. Trust me. I'm looking at a young person. <laughs> you've got wrinkles in your life. Okay? We all do. We can't live in this world without getting a wrinkle here and there. So we're washed. The spots are taken out. And the Holy Ghost iron comes out. Let's iron this person and straighten them out. And he irons you and gets the wrinkles out. So you got the water, you got the blood, and you got the Holy Spirit. And they work together in a person's life. You hear what I'm saying to you? And I, you will know, you will know, you will know. I want to tell you this. You'll know when you begin to get the mind of Christ, it's when the blood of Jesus gets important to you again. Because all of a sudden, the blood of Jesus is real important to me. The blood is. Well, that seems simple. Oh, there's nothing like the blood. God will be talking about the blood to us for all eternity. For all eternity. He'll never not talk about the blood. It's, it's the most precious thing. Oh, precious is the blood. It's awesome. And the Holy Spirit is very important to God. The Word of God. All these things, are they, they're on God. He, he, he's thinking about them. He wants to release them into you. He wants to release that kind of thinking into you. And also, He might want to increase in some men. Husband, love your wife. <laughs> Soft word. <laughs> Those are things that God is really interested in. So the fruit of the Spirit will happen in your life. It'll happen through the mind of Christ. And uh, eight years ago, uh, I'll tell you this, because now the Lord's really showing it to me more and more. This is what happened to me. Eight years ago, Bob Jones, y'all remember Bob, right? Mr. Bob Jones. He gave me this prophecy. He said, Byron, I see the Lord's going to use you to heal minds. And, and also I see the Lord's going to use you to heal people's visions. People have pins stuck in their vision. And you're going to pull those pins out and they're going to be able to see clearly. Wow, great. I'll take it, Lord. I'm going to go heal some minds. The next week after I was, this guy came to my house who was crazy and asked me to pray for him because he was really going through some struggle. And I said, well, I'll pray for you, man, because I just got this word. I can heal people's minds. And you're crazy. I didn't say he was crazy. You're crazy. You're doing crazy stuff. So I started praying for him, and it sort of scared me because I felt his head moving. You know, head, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like this. I'm talking about moving around in there. I felt it. And he said, I felt something. I felt things moving inside of my head. I thought, I felt it too. He said, Ooh, that didn't feel natural. And since that time, I've had some very small measure 
of praying for people's minds. But the Lord said this to me. You could not heal nobody's mind until you got yours healed, Byron. Your mind needed healing. And the way I healed it is I released my mind that was hid down inside that. I've released it now. And now you can heal because you can see what I see. You can see what I see with my mind. And now you're able to heal the mind. And God has that for all of us. Is the world not crazy, man? Is the world not just consumed with madness? And the Lord wants to release to us His mind. And how? You may not want to be healing minds. You know, you may want to heal something else. You may want to do something. God may have something else for you to do. But you're going to do it with His thoughts. And if I can get you to get one thing, there's a huge difference between my thoughts, me trying to think like God, and God's thought being released into my mind. This is your right and inheritance as a child of God. Everybody in this room, don't tell me it's not. Tell me it's not, and you have defied the Word. You have told the Word, you have told God He's a liar. I'm telling you today, you can have this. Now, I can't tell you how it's all going to work out. I can't tell you when it's, it'll get released more for you. I can't, that's not my business. I'm just telling you, I'm being a witness today. I'm being a witness to the Word of God because that Word has become a reality in my life to what I think is a teeny degree. But I'm taking the teeny degree I got because I know how the teeny degrees can become great degrees. God wants to give you that. So that's why I did the old broom thing because I just saw the Lord doing it, actually. And I thought, am I just crazy enough to do that, Lord? So I asked Matt Stewart, if, Matt, can I get you a broom and sweep your head? I don't care. I, and Marlon starts talking to me about a dream he had about the sweep. And I said, well, that's done. I'm, Marlon, I'm going to get the broom. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> you never know. You never know many times until you step out there. That's what the Lord told Moses. How am I going to know this is you, Lord? Well, when you get back here, after you've done what I told you to do, and you worship me. See, a lot of us are waiting. We're like the person standing on the escalator. Come on, Esker, move, move. No, get up, head up. I'll help you. I will propel you. Start walking. Walk towards me. And so this morning you have a choice to make. You can take what I said and you can say, well, that was a good, I like that, yeah. You can, and walk out of here. Or you can say, uh, I'm taking that one, Lord. I'm believing that. I'm going to receive that one. And I'm inviting you right now to come, come to the mind. Come to the mind and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. Because I want the renewed mind of Christ to be released into my mind. Amen? So what we'll do is, the madam has said <laughs> that we should pray for people. Okay? You know, first service I just had them pray for each other, but she said she felt like we need to... Now, probably some of you don't need prayer. You already got swept. I mean, I don't know. That's not none of my concern. But if you would like prayer concerning this, we would like for you to come up, okay, and... and and we want people to come out here to pray and just receive. We're not asking you to do anything. All we're asking you to do, if you come out here, you're saying, Lord, I just want to receive this. I just want to receive this. I want to receive what's already in me to come forth more in me. And however the Lord does it in you.